powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the program where we are the favorite podcast among the referees of Super Bowl 55. Today on the program, my special guest is Perry Marshall, and he is a master of developing focus through the process of elimination. His latest book is Detox, Declutter, Dominate, How to Excel by Elimination. And we're going to talk to him about the book and how to do this stuff, which we all need more focus, right? He's coming up just around the corner here on Better Than Before. And this month, I'll be showcasing communication in our leadership and business lesson a little bit later on in the program. It's all coming up today on Better Than Before, brought to you by University Subaru. Join us for the Subaru True Love event going on now. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. The 2021 Subaru Forester. A spacious interior with everything you need for confidence on the road ahead. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus 33 miles per gallon. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. It's the SUV for all you love. Join us for the Subaru True Love event going on now. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome, everyone, back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and Perry Marshall is joining us today. And we're really fortunate because he is one of the most sought-after business consultants in the world, consulting in over 300 industries, endorsed in Forbes and Inc. Magazine. He's guided clients like FanDuel and Infusionsoft from startup to hundreds of millions of dollars. Perry Marshall is one of the most expensive business strategists in the world. He's endorsed in Forbes and Inc. Magazine. He's guided clients like FanDuel and Infusionsoft, as we mentioned earlier. He founded the $10 million Evolution 2.0 Prize with judges from Harvard, Oxford, and MIT, launched at the Royal Society in London. It's the world's largest science research award. NASA's Jet Propulsion Labs uses his 80-20 curve as a productivity tool. His reinvention of the Pareto Principle is published in Harvard business review. 
His Google book laid the foundations for the 100 billion pay-per-click industry. Ultimate Guide to Google Ads is the world's best-selling book on internet advertising. Dan Kennedy, if you know who that is, he's a pretty straight shooter. He says, if you don't know who Perry Marshall is, unforgivable. He's an honest man in a field rife with charlatans. Perry Marshall's work is referenced in dozens of influential marketing books, like uh, several of them. You can go to his website and, and see those. He's uh, consulted in over 300 industries, as we said. He is also the owner of Perry S. Marshall & Associates, which has helped tens of thousands of small companies become big companies by applying advanced 80-20 to online advertising. He sent me the book uh, we're going to talk about today, Detox, Declutter, Dominate, How to Excel by Elimination. Uh, and that reveals how readers can grow their business four times faster by eliminating 80% of wasted effort. Perry is also an experienced, engaging speaker and is eager to share his expertise with your audience. We'll talk about how you can uh, get him booked for that and how to contact him uh, at the end of the interview. Um, this book is for business owners who are overworked, overwhelmed, and struggling to keep up with their ever-growing to-do list. In a world where we endure a daily media onslaught, it's no wonder we feel burnt out and unable to unplug. If you've wondered why you're working so hard to make so little money from your business, this book will help you with the clear path forward. And we're so fortunate because the author, Perry Marshall, is here today, and he can give us some guidance, too, on uh, navigating that landscape. Perry, welcome to Better Than Before. Good to be here, gentlemen. It's a pleasure. So Perry's in Chicago, where he lives today, joining us on the podcast. How did you, how did you, uh, or what, what point in your life did you say, hey, this this marketing thing, that's, that's my path. Where did that happen for you? So uh, I got laid off from my job when my wife was three months pregnant and I was an engineer. And uh, I ended up going into sales because it was really the only possibility of ensuring that when, uh, when she had the baby that she wouldn't have to put the kid in daycare and mm. go work somewhere. I, I had to get something with a bigger upside, but that ended up being bologna sandwiches, ramen soup. Did you know that baked potatoes and salsa is like a really cheap way to eat? As you know, well? I have had that dish many times. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that's kind of where we're at. And, and uh, you know, I remember when I took that sales job, my, my friend Frank said, you know, Perry, you don't just stick a pencil behind your ear and completely change careers. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I met a lot of those guys. They don't seem to be that smart. <laughs> well, that was kind of a rude awakening. Um, and I, I eventually got fired from that job after two years. But before, before that happened, I happened to stumble into an event where Dan Kennedy was speaking and he was talking about direct marketing. And I guess I would, I would say that it turned out that direct marketing was a way that an engineer could make sense of how to sell something. Sure. And, and so um, I, I, I bought this thing, uh, this marketing kit, and I told my boss about it the next day and he just looked at me like I had bought swampland in Florida. It was like, yeah, Perry. Okay. So um, I know you think the idea of like sending out postcards or letters or advertising and getting your phone to ring, 
probably sounds really appealing to a guy like you, but you know, some of us have to like work for a living. <laughs> and um, so, like I said, I got fired from that job, but the next job, they actually had a website. And this is when, you know, it wasn't terribly common for a company to have a website with all of their products on it. It was the late nineties. And, and I connected some dots. It was like, Hey, wait a minute. You know, the, all these newsletters that are talking about print advertising and direct mail and mail order catalogs and, and lead generation and stuff like that. You know, this doesn't really look that different from a web page. Like Dan Kennedy wasn't talking that way, but I was connecting the dots. And so I'm, you know, I'm learning about how to write copy and how to generate leads and I'm applying it on these web pages and doing primitive SEO like you did back in the 90s. And it actually works. And what happened was uh, the, the part of the company that they put me in charge of. So like, you had a picture of this. So this is a, a consulting firm who, who writes software and designs hardware they, they got a couple million dollars of business that's mostly hand to mouth and they have this tiny little product line on the side. It's doing like a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, which is a drop in the bucket, right? And then um, they put me in charge of that because like I was all they could afford. And, and, and we grew that product business 2000% where it, it overtook the rest of the company. Wow. And we sold, we sold the firm for $18 million. And I, I got some money out of the deal because I had stock options and I parachuted out and hung out my, my shingle as a freelancer. And, and what I thought at the time was, hey, you know what? I'm kind of sort of good at this marketing thing. Mm -hmm. What if I actually got really good at this? And, 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 and so, yeah, that's the answer to your question. That's like I, my, my imagination was really taken away by it. And it wasn't, it wasn't just that they had sold this company for a bunch of money. Um, I thought it was genuinely fascinating. And, and another thing is it was amazing that when I would come into work every morning, I would have, I don't know, five to 10 emails in my email box from leads that had come in over the last 12 hours since yesterday and these people wanted me to call them and they wanted to ask questions and they thought I might know something that would solve their problem, which was like, this was better after, after all the cold calling and pavement pounding and, you know, crawling buck naked over broken glass to get somebody to talk to you. Yes. Oh my word. That was like better than any kind of therapy. So <laughs> So I was. Man. I'm only laughing because I've have I've been there. So I, I I know exactly what you're talking about. A bunch of us have right, and there's different versions of it, right? So there's like there's like the cold calling version that you know a scrapping sales guy in the '90s would have done, but you know there's the a current version where you're like surfing through every LinkedIn profile in the world and sending people all these messages, or you know there's there's all kinds of drudgery in the world. <laughs> there, there are still people out there recommending that experts do cold calling. And I've, I've never really subscribed to, to, to that. 
Um, well, you know, I, I'm not saying it can't work, but sure. one thing I discovered was that if you, if what you sell involves expertise, cold calling doesn't work. Yes. Because it positions you as like a stray dog. Like, well, I'm not going to take information technology advice from a stray dog i'm gonna take it from somebody who like wrote a book or something yes or or may be hard to uh get a slot with right right because as dan kennedy says you you never get a call during dinner and you know it's it's a it's the cardiologist and he wants to know if you need heart surgery anytime in the next month right that's right well your first book was really successful so tell me a little bit about this new book and what drove you to write it? Well, so the story behind this book is um, I, was, I, I, I was in my office one day. I was talking on the phone. Um, it was about this time of year. It was cold and, and snowy. And, and I look through my French doors of my office, which is in my house, and the president of my company is there. And he lives in Nebraska. And I'm like, what is Brian doing here unannounced from Nebraska? And uh, I thought, you know, I don't imagine this is good. Um, so he got done with the phone call and Brian, what's going on? Harry, we, we need to talk. Uh, okay. Well, what would you like to talk about? Uh, Perry, we have too many employees, too many expenses, too many projects, too many vendors, too much money going out, not enough predictable cash flow, and uh, we need to make some cuts. We argued about this for about the next eight hours, like from the middle of the afternoon until late at night. And I'm like, Brian, 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 you don't understand. Like, you know, I get all these brilliant ideas and I, I just don't, realize, uh, I think you realize how beautiful these projects are and how successful this is all going to be. And, you know, and so we argue back and forth and, you know, I'm the optimist and he's the pessimist. And there's an awful lot of companies that run on an optimist and a pessimist kind of sure. pulling against each other. Right. And, yeah. And, uh, and, and so basically I won the argument uh, and he went home and we didn't, we changed some stuff, but not a lot. Um, he, he did get me to think, but I, I, I didn't really change course or anything. Well, it turns out about three, three months later, it was abundantly clear that he was right. <laughs> and well, you know, there's something funny that happens when you kick a can down the road is, you know, sometimes it gets bigger. And so now I had a real problem. And and so I still ended up making all the cuts that Brian said that we need to make. Um, I just made them later and they were more painful. And then, and then when you cut, like, when, if you lay people off, um, you know, it takes a few months for you to actually stop paying the money. <laughs> and and meanwhile, they're not around. So they're not helping you and they're not rowing and, and look, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a genius or a best-selling author or, 
if you're Tom Hanks or like whoever you think you are, if your company has too many people and too many projects and too many vendors and too many expenses, your life is going to suck. That's right. Right? That's right. I mean, you could have won the Nobel Prize last week, but if you got too much overhead, you still get too much overhead. So, um, and so that I spent the entire summer, probably every three days, we had another, what can we subtract? What can we subtract? Conversation. And then I had a conversation with a friend that I, I don't think I'll, I'll go into, but let's just put it this way. She, in her own inimitable way, she got me to really realize that most people are so completely zoned out on social media and CNN and arguing with their friends on Facebook and politics and everything that they're just about quite literally sleepwalking. Mm. And I connected these two things. It, it was like this blazing, like, uh, like, caveman discovers fire moment where I, I, I realized that all of this was, was coming from a mentality of just trying to cram more crap into the five pound bag. Like, you know, I need, I need more employees and more expenses and more projects and more products and more opportunities and more employees and, 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 and more podcasts and more subscriptions and, more things to read, more stuff to argue about. And I was like, wait, like we need to massively subtract. And so I, in addition to the trimming of expenses and all of that kind of stuff, I also got in a mode of how do I do my personal life? How do I do my day? How do I get some Zen-like simplicity? Because this madness really was driving everybody crazy. And, and so it, it was a huge, huge um, change in my life. And, you know, like once the ship righted itself, it was like, dang, this ship is so much easier to maneuver when it doesn't have all this ballast on it. Mm -hmm. And I have so much less stress and I have a smaller nut that I got to crack every month. And it was such a relief. And so we did something with our customers is we created this program called 30 day reboot. And it was a 30 days of subtraction. It was ever subtracting everything you could imagine from social media to, you know, the toxic delete the toxic person from your life. And we got, and it was a direct result of all of this. It was, I had learned this really like in my bones. And, and, and we started taking people through an accountability program where they would do this. And the, the stories and, and testimonies that I got from people were off the charts. In fact, one time I went to a seminar that I was doing and a guy came up to me and he goes, Perry, he goes, I did your reboot program. And I like, I got rid of a whole bunch of stuff. And he goes, yesterday my son came up to me and he goes dad he goes my son's 16 dad you're actually listening to me now and the guy teared up 
he goes, Perry, I, I have no way to thank you for like how much this has made me more sane. Uh, it's even helped my relationship with my kid. And I thought, wow, like this is, this is serious. And, and so Detox Declutter Dominate is the book that came out of that process. How to Excel by Elimination. And so that, that is the key to, to focus. You, you definitely don't get focused by adding stuff. No, no, you don't. No, you excel by elimination. And it's a reframing of everything. It's like you realize that just about every successful product that you can think of that was like a runaway crazy hit in the marketplace was a elimination of a bunch of stuff. Right, like, like uh, a Tesla. Well, you, you don't even need to hold the steering wheel, right? Or an iPad. Like computers used to be complicated like Windows and now it's so simple that a, a three-year-old can like watch video games on an airplane. Nothing against PCs, but the last time somebody had me look at their PC, they had an issue and they asked me, do you think you could help me with this? And I just looked at it just very quickly. I said, nope, not me. I wouldn't be able to know where to even start um, because I'm used to it being so simple. Right, exactly. And, and so you can actually frame everything that you need to do in business in terms of elimination and simplicity, which is really, it's the correct perspective. It's what Steve Jobs did. It's what Airbnb did. It's what, you know, really all of the companies that you envy and even much smaller companies, right? Like, you know, a, a freelance, you know, fill in the blank. They're making their life simpler for their client. And that doesn't mean you're always making it simpler for yourself. That's, in fact, that's kind of the thing is that at least for a while until you get things hammered down into systems or, or, or whatever, it probably is going to be more complicated for you. But, but, but I, I needed to put this in a framework that people could understand. And it's a 36 page book, by the way, it's, it's probably one of the sh shortest business books. You bet. Which is congruent with the title, right? Yeah. Um, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, so, and as this is me just thinking after, after reading the book, but I'm thinking the idea he's trying to get across to me is, and this is just because I've worked with so many companies as a coach where they have been successful. They're pretty mature, but things aren't working like they used to Beca yeah. because they have layered on so many things as they scaled it, say 25 years ago. And they've had some success and they just kept adding and just kept adding and just kept adding. But what I got from your book is there's a way to scale without doing that. There's a way to scale while staying focused and staying lean at the same time. Is I, am I getting that right? Yes, that's exactly right. And it becomes easier. Um, and, and really the worst thing that you can have for your creativity, for your resourcefulness is just a thousand niggling details that keep things alive that aren't even really helping you. It's all, you know what it's like? It's like imagining yourself dragging a hospital bed behind you running down the street and it's connected to you with a hundred hypodermic needles that are sucking blood out of your arms. Okay, now imagine what it would be like 
if all those hyperdermic needles came out of your arms and they weren't sucking your blood out anymore. It's like, wow, I can think. This is amazing. I can focus. Oh my word, like most of these problems aren't as hard as I thought they were. They're just hard when you don't know how to think anymore. You bet. You've got seven steps here in the book and they're really not a do step one first, do step two second type thing. No, no, they're not. They're more like principles to engage with and to, to modify your thinking. Right. And so I want to give a couple of these to you and I want you just to put some meat on the bone here for our listeners. Um, let's go with build an impenetrable moat around your business. Okay. So I think, as far as business strategy, this is the most important thing. So I wrote the book on Google advertising, uh, which is now in its sixth edition. And man, when, when Google came out with that program about a year or two later, it was the hottest thing on earth and it deserved to be. And it created, I don't know how many innumerable businesses. Okay. Uh, and, and suddenly, all of a sudden, the, the English language is for sale. And you can go and Google and you can bid on plumber or any other keyword you want. And you can get in front of people instantly. And man, like if that wasn't an economic boom, I don't know what was. And so there was this gold rush. And all these businesses came into existence that some of them couldn't have even existed without that before. And so that was amazing. But then what happened a couple of years later is... Most of them went out of business because they were like little sh internet shanty towns, right? Um, and, and, and all it took was the slightest, you know, rain shower and they get washed out. And, and I became very much less interested in starting businesses. And I got a whole lot more interested about actually having a business that lasts mm -hmm. and you, and, and, and the only way you're going to have a business last is you have to have a moat around your castle so that people can't come and steal your stuff. If you have a business, but there's no moat around your castle, you're, you don't have a business for long. Okay. Now, so there's two kinds of moats. There's 20th century moats, which are things like land and buildings and real estate and capital and machinery and, 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 and distribution networks and, and stuff like that, okay? That's 20th century modes. Here, but then, then there's 21st century modes. Let me give you an example of a 21st century mode. Uber gets more riders, which attracts more drivers, which lowers the wait time. And that attracts more riders, which attracts more drivers, which lowers the wait time. And if you rinse repeat that for about 10 years, it's in every city in the world. And you'd be an idiot to start a taxi company now. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Because the network, that's called network effect. And that is, it's actually, it's more powerful than any 20th century mode I can think of. Like, ask yourself, how much money would it take to create another Uber and displace the Uber that we've already got? Oh my gosh. Too like expensive. It, it's unimaginable. It, it might not even be possible. 
Okay, network effect is very powerful. Well, all right, but there's a problem. And the problem is, great, I'll start Uber. That's a good idea, Perry. Yeah, why don't I just do that? I'll start another one in another industry. Uh, let's see, where am I gonna get $10 million of venture capital? And so I coined this term, I call it network effect for mere mortals. And what that is, is that is network effects that real human beings can do without millions of dollars of venture capital. And some of them are deceptively simple. I'll give you an example. There's, there's a business I talk about in the book. It's called Roof Simple. It's a roofing company in Washington, DC. And uh, it's run by a guy named Mark McShirley. And Mark, Mark came into the roofing industry and he's like, this industry really sucks. The salespeople suck, the habits suck, the way they sell, the way they do everything. It's like a terrible customer experience. And he said, I'm gonna start from scratch. I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna hire people from the roofing industry. I'm gonna hire salespeople from, I'm gonna get them somewhere else. I'm gonna train them the way I want to. And I am gonna design every interaction with the customer so that the customer wants to give us a five-star review. Well, now they have 4.8 stars, 300 reviews in Washington, DC. Now, I want you to think about something. Reviews are network effect if they're good ones. Mm -hmm because a good review attracts more good reviews. At 300 reviews, it is easier for him to get 100 more or 10 more than it is for a guy with 10 to get 20. And let me, let, let me provoke you to think about something. What happens the first day he opens for business in Philadelphia? He has 4.8 stars, 300 reviews in Philadelphia now too. And he can take over the country. That is one example of what I call network effect for mere mortals. Mark didn't borrow a bunch of money. He didn't go get venture capital. He didn't do anything like that. He just built a company that's engineered for Google reviews, including putting a concierge on site in, on every job. There's somebody there who's, who's, their job is to make sure everything the customer experiences is a, is a pleasure. He's getting market penetration just off the power of his reputation. Yes, it's incredible. And so I think in five to 10 years, he can own the roofing industry in the United States, so to speak anyway, um, if he wants to. Um, he, he, could be in, he could be in all 50 states if he wants to. Pretty powerful. Uh, so so it, it's incredibly powerful. And, and I, I think, you know, if you're even gonna start a business, you need to figure out how it's gonna have a moat. I'll grab one more here, and this is one that is very near and dear to my heart because I have pounded the table uh, on this with clients and speaking audiences and all kinds of stuff forever. But 
you're not doing yourself any favors by trying to be the cheapest and the best in a saturated market. Oh, heavens. Um, that is actually suicide. Um, if you're going to be the cheapest, the only, the only justification for being the cheapest is you came up with a much, 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 much better business system for delivering it. It, and, and you can inherently do it for half of what it costs everybody else to do it. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Well, Southwest Airlines back in the day, they said, we are going to make a cheap airline and it's going to be systematically and inherently cheaper because like we only buy 737s and they all have the same mechanics and you, you know we're going to fly into secondary markets, not primary markets, so we got cheap airports and they had like they they had a a completely systematic inherently less expensive cost structure okay you only want to be the cheapest guy when you can specifically and deliberately do that okay or or you need to be significantly better than any other product on the market and significantly more expensive and trying to mix those two strategies together never works. Mm -hmm. If you are a little less expensive and a little better than everybody else, you will be threadbare and living in your car. There's, there's another one that I want to emphasize here. Okay, great. It, it's earn $1,000 an hour, at least one hour a day with 80-20 time. Yeah, managing your time through subtraction. Yes. Now, um, what, what do I mean? Like some people think that we're hyping. In fact, we wrote a Facebook ad about this and that the ad got disapproved because it's like, you can't even talk about making a thousand dollars an hour on Facebook. They'll, they'll think that you're, uh, you know, uh, like some kind of a robber baron. So, but, but I'm, I'm really serious. So I, I should imagine that you're Helen and Helen works at a dental office and she answers the phone and Helen makes $15 an hour. Okay. So 30,000 bucks a year phone rings Wooddale dental, please hold. And then two minutes later, uh, Wooddale dental, how can I help you? And the person is gone. All right. So this person was going to spend $5,000 getting their crowns all fixed up, but she put them on hold and they left. So um, if, if she lost $5,000 of business in two minutes, how many dollars an hour is that? It's $150,000 an hour. So Helen makes $15 an hour and she lost her boss $150,000 an hour. Goodness. which is 10,000 10, times what she makes. Right. So my contention is that whatever time, meetings, systems, or anything else that the office manager, the dentist, Helen, the, the, the dental assistants, or anybody else, whatever time they need to put in place a system to make sure Nobody ever gets put on hold for two minutes when they're getting ready to spend five thousand dollars. 
that time is easily $1,000 an hour work. And furthermore, if Helen thinks this way, she's not going to be the receptionist for long. Right. Because the dentist is not stupid. Like, you know, Helen just fixed all of our, you know, do you realize that like our call volume went up 20% this month? Well, actually it wasn't your call volume went up. It's just that people stopped hanging up after they called it. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't go to the, uh, they didn't go to the phone zone, right? Right, right. And and see, you know, you go, well, that's kind of theoretical. No, it's not. No. This kind of stuff happens all the time, all over the place, 24-7, 365. Like, you, you can't believe how many balls get dropped. And I don't think I am unusual, but if you make me choose more than one or two options on a phone tree, I'm gone. Oh, dear. Well, nobody wants to call the IRS. Oh, no, no. Or, or even remind them of calling the IRS. Like, oh, great. I get, I get a weed through all of this. And listen to some really bad music. Yes, that too. That too. So, so I, I want people who are listening to us to know that your life, your life can actually be much simpler you can run much more sophisticated systems that make your customer's life more simple. And the, and the, the hidden sophistication of that system is your moat around your castle. So like, for example, if Wooddale Dental has a system for making sure nobody ever gets put on hold and Johnson Dental doesn't, Wooddale Dental has an invisible moat around their castle that Johnson will never know about. They won't know why they went out of business. Right. Right. But they, they'll still go out of business. When people run out of cash, they hardly ever know why. Oh man. Well, ain't that the truth? Yeah. Uh, that's a boy, that's a horrible <laughs> it's horrible not to even know why you drowned. Oh right. Yeah. But it's it, a St. Peter. You're like, well, how, how did I drown anyway? <laughs> but it happens every day. Yeah. It happens every day. Well, there's three of the seven, and uh, you need to get this book. You need to get this uh, book by Perry Marshall. Uh, that's Detox, Declutter, Dominate, How to Excel by Elimination. I read it in, gosh, probably an hour uh, and, and thought about it a lot more than that over the holidays. And so true to form, he's kept this book uh, detoxed, decluttered, and uh, very dominant. So you need to get it and, uh, it'll change your, it'll change your mind first and your business second. That's, that's the whole idea, right, Perry? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, one other thing about this book is, you know, I've been consulting all kinds of businesses for 20 years and I can't think of any other book where it's the same strategy, whether you make $10,000 a year or $10 million a year. This book will get you from the first number to the second number without having to change books, without having to change strategies. I, I don't know any other book that can say that. I These agree. are principles. You, 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 you said the word principles. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, it's not even steps, really. It's, okay, if I focus, and you don't have to do all seven right now. Focus on two or three of them or even one. 
and it'll completely change your life in about six weeks. No matter where you put the comma, right? Yes. Well, that's wonderful. Listen, I appreciate you uh, being on with us today. I'm, I've got a standard list of closing questions I ask all our guests that, that come on the program. So yes, I'm, I'm going to shoot these to you in rapid fire. Uh, and then we're going to give everybody an opportunity to find out how to contact you and learn more. All right. Excellent. All right. Question number one, what is the best memory that immediately comes to mind for you? Um, adopting my Chinese daughter, um, nine years ago, it was surreal when they walked in the room with her. Cause like, you know, we saw pictures and all this other kind of stuff. Um, for, I don't know, a year or whatever. And then like, it actually happened. And then, um, and then like, and then they leave and she's with us and like, wow, I, I just got a daughter. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's all awesome. this actually happened. You bet. Who's the number one hero in your life? Um, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta say my dad makes it really high on the list. And I don't know that I would have told you that when I was a teenager, (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. Um, uh, he died when I was 17. So it's, it's actually been a long time, but, uh, boy, I tell you one thing I would, I would not do a jeopardy spin the wheel on a different dad for any amount of money. Um, you know, for all of his flaws and everything, like, I think he did, he did, he did the basic stuff really, really right. Cool. What's the top value you subscribe to? Wisdom. Um, I I think, I think wisdom is, is the most underrated. In fact, it's in really short supply right now. Like seriously (laughs) short supply. Yeah. Um, but okay. What is wisdom? It is knowledge of how to apply knowledge. And it is, it is actually one of the hardest things to define, but you can identify it when somebody has it. You bet. Who's the most important person in your life? My wife. What's her name? Um, Her name is Laura. Now I I don't, I don't know that I always act like it. I I'm probably going to have to, you know, like, uh, um, you know, do a couple Hail Marys or something, but look, like my, 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 my buddy, John says, um, all the best decisions Perry ever made in his life, Laura made and Perry just carried him out. And it's about, it's about right. Like hanging out my shingle after that company got sold. She told me to do that. I, it was a month and a day after nine 11 and I was scared to death. Uh, and she goes, Perry, now's the time to leap. I'm like, ah, she's like, no, like now you've been talking about this. This is it. You don't do it now. You may never do it. She was right. We all need people in our life like that. Um, what's your favorite thing? Stereo equipment. I build it. That's my hobby. Cool. What's your favorite food? Boy, I really like Indian food. In fact, I haven't had any while. Um, I'm going to have to get some somehow. Most beautiful place you've ever been to? Western Ireland. If you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? Um, impress God. 
which is probably hard. How do you want to be remembered? Uh, as a Renaissance man. In fact, I, I really want to be rem remembered for as the, the guy who started the next Renaissance. Cool. Cool. How would you describe a Renaissance man? Um, somebody who makes major contributions to not one, but multiple fields. Love it. Love it. If you could go back and talk to a younger Perry, what advice would you give him? Uh, don't get an Amway. <laughs> That's good advice. Yeah. I think there was better ways to learn what I learned. Although I did learn a lot. What's your favorite sound? Hmm. A ride symbol, a good ride symbol. That's a, that's a good sound. And finally, out of all the lessons, what's the best lesson you've learned? Uh, humility. Uh, can I tell you a story about that? Yeah, go uh, ahead. One, one time I, I was in a big mastermind meeting with a bunch of other people. And I don't remember what I said, but this guy goes, ah, he goes, Perry, you're too humble. He goes, you are Perry effing Marshall. Like, you know, he's the best-selling author and all, all that kind of stuff. And it, I just bristled. Okay. And like, this was, this guy was, was riding high and he, he was throwing his weight around in his market and he had a big ego. Two years later, he was bankrupt oh. um, because what happened in between was the 2008 crash. And I'm like, man, it's, it's better to be a little too humble than a little too proud, man. Like that is just, ugh. so. Yeah. It, uh, danger and, um, danger and treacherous territory come to those who think they're invisible, invincible for sure. Oh my goodness. We are, none of us are invincible. So. We've been talking. We've been talking with Perry Marshall. He's a business consultant and uh, he works all over the world and lives in Chicago. And he's written this uh, new book. Perry, tell everybody how they can find out more about you and contact your firm and all that stuff. Uh, go to PerryMarshall.com and sign up for the 30 Day Street MBA. You just scroll down on the homepage and you'll see it there. And uh, the book we've been talking about: Detox, Declutter, Dominate: How to Excel by Elimination. It's on Amazon in the US, it's about nine bucks. And it's it's the best nine dollar thirty-six page business book you ever read. I agree with it. I, I in case you missed it, I was sent a copy by uh, Perry and I read it and just I just loved it. And I, I know you will too, so so get that. Perry, thanks a lot for joining us today. Maybe we'll do this again down the road sometime. Thank you both. I really, really appreciate you guys putting this show together. You bet, man. Thanks a bunch. I'll have uh, your business and leadership lesson coming up next on Better Than Before. The 2021 Subaru Forester. A spacious interior with everything you need for confidence on the road ahead. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus 33 miles per gallon. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. It's the SUV for all you love. Join us for the Subaru True Love event going on now. University Subaru. Homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. 
Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Back to Better Than Before, this is Tony Richards. I want to talk about three big communications challenges in a digital world. Now, listen, many of us feel totally overwhelmed today by the amount of stuff that's coming at us in a constant stream all day, every single day. It's never been easier to reach out and touch someone. Not only that, but often we are judged by how we respond or maybe don't respond when people reach out to us digitally. It's really relentless, and it's an attempt to get our attention. Have you ever had someone be offended because you didn't answer their text in a short amount of time? Well, then you know what I'm talking about, right? It's really the texting started out as a message system that you could easily get to when you had a moment. Now it's turned into a conversation device. One thing we have to realize is that more and more, our online presence is a major part of our professional and personal brand. Now, in the middle of all this, it's really difficult for companies to establish what is important and what is not important. And more often than not, it's left up to individuals to decide what's best. And in the middle of all this, here are at least a couple of challenges that we're going to face in this digital world. Number one always having to be quotation on in quotation there are so many platforms facebook twitter instagram linkedin you got a bunch of them snapchat and others that we probably could name if we had somebody a little more technically and social media minded here the chatter is constant digital communication is supposed to be a tool for us to help us get our work done and communicate more effectively but more often than not it's doing the opposite it gets in the way of our work it causes disagreements and arguments and fistfights getting the balance right for this is kind of difficult just as it is for all aspects of our life we work and live now today in a 24 7 world and many of the people we interact with and serve all those hours just like you do and it's hard for them to turn it off and when we start to expect others probably to behave in the same way we do we're going to make mistakes in addition to that we're still connected in ways that make the world way smaller than in previous generations and in this way, the communication and connection is positive, but anything overdone becomes a constraint and a negative. Number two, managing the online workload. I recommend to my clients that they sometimes need to take a digital fast or a digital holiday or a technology fast for a few days. Just lay it down at least one day every now and then. Just get away from it. Turn it off disconnect disengage and now sometimes it can be easier to do this personally than it can uh in a work context you know it depends on the expectations of your coworkers and your clients 
When all of this is streaming toward you in abundance, it can be hard to figure out what to allow and what to let through and what to respond to. And sometimes instead of you controlling it, it's controlling you. There's an increasing pressure to have an effective online presence, and you can be judged pretty harshly if you don't do it correctly or you seem half-hearted in your attempts. Not only that, there's the story of the technology CEO who was spotted in a photo at the Capitol insurrection and lost his whole business because he was perceived to be in the wrong crowd doing the wrong thing, and someone snapped his picture. He didn't even know his picture was taken. But when he started losing clients and losing friends and losing money, it became quickly apparent that he had been in the wrong place at the wrong time and people were going to punish him for it. Is that right or wrong? I don't know, but it's a reality. Number three, being in the public constantly. Some people shrink from the responsibility of being in the public constantly, while others thrive on it. They thrive on the lights, camera, action situation. And again, even though you may not be actively actually engaged doing the digital media, you're actually out there all the time from the things you have previously published. Nothing ever goes away on the internet. I don't care how much you think you've deleted it. Public digital communications are just that, public. And when you're posting messages and communications online, you got to bear in mind both cultural and generational considerations. You got to ask yourself, would I be okay with everybody and anybody seeing this? Because they probably will. That's our show today. Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. Join us for the True Love event going on now. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Special thanks to our guest, Perry Marshall, today for adding so much value and coming on the program. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4. You can join our free Facebook page, Tony Richards Speaker, Author, Coach. Come on over. There's no charge for it. we got a great community, four and five posts a day. I think you'll enjoy it. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and our chief producer, William Foster, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.